welcome to The Finder of Lost Things, exploring your superpowers of trust, healing, and transformation with me, Hannah Belton. My brother, Christian, disappeared in Mali, Africa in 2003. He disappeared without a trace. We lost his story. We didn't have closure. We lost so much. I was fighting and searching to find Christian when actually I just needed to sit in stillness and attract him in. I was so resistant to doing this, but I had to surrender. It's a process of trusting and finding the lost pieces and and integrating them. This podcast will uncover the process that Christian and I went on to find the lost things, him, and to find the parts of me that were missing. And we were destined from the start to tell our story into the dark. For we were born to a great white shark. Hello, welcome, come on in. Come on in as usual. Uh, come and sit in the circle. I've got an amazing story to tell you today, an amazing guest. I want to tell you a little bit about how I met Karen Chaston. Uh, Christian was definitely involved on the other side, bringing us together. And I was reading a Facebook post and uh, the person I was uh, watching was talking about this, one of these you know, online seminars that everyone's doing. I'm part of it. So I thought, oh, that's an unusual way of saying that you're part of a summit. So I looked at this summit and I was looking down the list of guests and there was this lady smiling and next to it, her tagline was the gift of loss. And I sort of looked at it and I thought, that's exactly what I kind of think about loss, you know, in the long term. Now I've been through it all. And she, I'll read you what the, the little uh, intro was. Life's too short to be spent grieving and suffering. Karen Chaston explores the deeper purpose of grief in our lives, teaching us to find the treasures and reminding us of the wisdom that comes through the transitions of life. And then she asks, will you let go of your suffering? I was like, I've got to meet this lady. This is somebody I have to meet. Um, So I emailed her out of the blue. And we just had this sort of conversation. And it turns out that her son, Dan, and Christian are in cahoots as usual. (laughs) This is how Christian does it. He brings me lovely people into my life um, who can help me, who can support, who can bounce ideas off who we can work together um and this is i'd like to introduce you to karen chaston from the chaston center hi karen thank you so much for joining us i know you're on the gold coast in australia yes i am and it's 7 p.m or i probably shouldn't say what time it is but it's i'm in the evening and you're in the morning which is fabulous Yes. I still love the world we live in, the way we can so easily connect. I know. This podcast is literally connecting me um, to, to a global audience and global yeah. guests that come on. I mean, it's amazing. It's I'm so excited about how the energy around it is rising and we're reaching more and more people. It's it's amazing. So 
I've sort of looked at your website, um, but we really wanted to keep this a really fresh conversation so that, you know, you and myself and Dan and Christian can sort of bring in the magic into the and the energy into yeah. this conversation. Um, so do you want to just sort of tell me about Dan or how, where would you like yeah. to start? <laughs> Um, well, I guess it's it's Dan and Christian that have really brought us together. So let's start with Dan. Um, so in 2011, Dan was a 27-year-old young man who had um, been back in Australia after two, for two years after being in the UK, believe it or not, mm-hmm. travelling around and having an amazing time, as most Australians love to do. We, You know, the young ones love to do their two years overseas and just see the world, and it's so good that he actually did that. And on this night, he actually, actually, when he came back to Australia two years um, in 2009, he brought back an English lady with her and she still lives in Australia um, 10 years later. So she's been in Australia for 12 years. So Dan went out by himself with some mates on the 10th of July, 2011. Uh, His girlfriend had gone out separately. She had a work due on. He didn't want to go to that. And then... Um, he came home late. For some reason, he left his key at home. So he rang his girlfriend and said, just leave the key out for me. He lived under our house. Um, we were living in Sydney at, at the time. And he lived under our house, not like not like a Harry Potter under our house. He <laughs> literally had like yeah, a granny perfect. flat under our house um, sort of thing. And he came home. Yes, he had drunk way too much. Um, But what happened was he walked down the back of the house, walked under, went to pick up the key, and as he fell, as he bent down, he fell over and everything did shake up inside of him. And for a long time I thought it was the alcohol that had killed him, just the shaking up of it. But he told me probably, oh, it was probably about two years later, three years later, that it was actually his lungs that had failed him. And at the autopsy the next day, they had actually told us that his lungs were so bad that, you know, if he had smoked full on for, say, 10, 12 years, which he hadn't, he was only a social smoker, he couldn't have done a quarter of the damage that he had done to his lungs. Now, Dan um, is a twin. And we don't know if his lungs were like that all his life. I guess you don't sort of expect that. Hmm. But he had, um, when he was in Scotland two years previously, he had spent a week in hospital with pneumonia. So whether it was from that, I'm not really sure. So my husband and I woke the next morning not realising any of this had happened and my husband literally, we slept in late Sunday morning and he went out the back door to take the rubbish out and he really quickly just called out. He was really angry, going, bloody hell, Dan's asleep, passed out at the back door, you know, really angry. But we thought he was still alive. He was lying there in the fetal position and there was saliva coming out of his mouth, so we just thought he was unconscious. But the paramedics arrived really quickly and they literally just said, sorry, madam, he's dead and probably has been for several hours, which, of course, was a huge shock. You know, we literally thought a healthy 27-year-old had gone out the night before. 
If I'd known that, I wouldn't have given him the 200 bucks that I gave him to go out with, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, and, and sure, you know, nearly 10 years on, we can joke about it. And, but at the time, I don't know how to do a floss. You know, I was a CFO of a publicly listed company and I knew how to do that. So that's what I did. I literally went straight back to work the day after his funeral, working more, eating more and drinking even more. And that's, you know, isn't that what we tell people to do? Just keep busy. Just give it time. Everything will be all right. And, of course, it doesn't. It, it just, we go into avoidance. You know, I was working more, you know, drinking more, eating more, doing the whole lot. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about it now, in hindsight, I Dan's passing was meant to have been my wake-up call. Because what I'm doing now, how I've deep dived into loss and how I understand it and, you know, I am a life coach who specialises in loss, um, what I realised is he was, it was meant to be my wake-up call. And because I didn't wake up from it, from my what I call my Groundhog Day days, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure most people in corporate are living in, you know, we're just in that grind of every day is the same and this is what success is all about, not realising that, no, it's not what success is all about. Mm-hmm. So they had to send me another loss event. So 15 months after Dan passed, the next loss came in the form of me having to choose with the company that I was working for to even go with the newly merged company, not a CFO, but doing everything you're doing now plus more, mm. quote, 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 um, for less money, for like two-thirds of my salary. And I was really angry. I thought, how dare you treat me like this? You know, I've got emails from you telling me I'm the oracle of the company. I set the standard on how to work and all this sort of stuff. But within 48 hours, I had so much gratitude because I really did start to wake up from that daze. And I very quickly realised, you know what, I'm only there for the money and I'm killing myself over this money that, if I'm honest, I'm wasting most of it just to earn it, Mm -hmm. which is that vicious cycle that so many of us get into. So as I said, that boss, and believe it or not, his name was also Dan, he he actually gave me the greatest gift you can ever give anyone else because I chose me. And that's when I started on this journey, which I started off calling the journey to becoming my own best friend because I had to get me right. Before I could help anyone else, I had to get me right. I had to deep dive into loss. I, had, I, I was just so driven to look for a better way to do it because we're not doing loss very well at all. We just don't know what to do. No one knows what to say. No one wants to be around it. Everyone's sort of fearful of it. Um, and, that's, and that's sort of my journey and I just love it. So, yeah, it's amazing. Gosh, that's a, a, a brilliant roundup of the last, goodness <laughs> knows how many years. But, yeah, so, yeah. like, and, it really it, struck me because Christian's birthday is is the 7th of July and, and Dan passed on oh, the 10th of July. And I know we, Christian and I, spent a lot of time in Australia in, in our gap years as well. We were there separately but doing similar things. And Christian was at university in Scotland at Edinburgh. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so I suspect I Dan. Shivers. Yeah, so I, I think there's there's plenty of connections here between the boys. Um, so, so Dan's... Um, 
Dan has a twin as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he has a twin and an older brother. Okay, so how did, um, I'm quite interested in the sort of fi- fam- family dynamics of, okay. um, of when Dan died so suddenly, mm-hmm. how that sort of affected the family, because you obviously went straight back out to work. Yeah. Um, do you know how it affected the family? Well, I'm going to surmise, right, because yes. obviously a lot of them talk about it. So, so just to get it into context, okay, so um, we were living in Sydney. So there was Dan, his girlfriend, my husband and I, we were living in Sydney. On the Gold Coast were my two other sons. And at that stage they didn't have a girlfriend. Neither of them had a girlfriend or a long-term girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that stage my oldest son, Ben, he was uh, a month off 30 and Josh was obviously the same as Dan, 27. And so on the day that it happened, I obviously rang my boys. Like literally we went upstairs once the police and the ambulance were there. We went upstairs and my husband just said, I just want to sit. And I'm like, no, 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 I've got to get my boys here. I've got to do a whole lot. So, and they also have a half-sister. So the half-sister is my daughter who I adopted out when I was 16, but she's in our lives. And at that stage, she was sort not in our lives like she is now, but she is in our life, like she was in our life. So I wanted to ring her mainly for the fact that I just didn't want to see her in six months' time, which is what we sort of set, tended to do. And then she say, well, how are the boys? And I say, well, you know, I didn't want to say, well, Dan's, you know, died, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I sort of rang them all and, and it was really funny, you know, I couldn't get a hold of his twin. Um, he wasn't answering the phone and he was like really, really panicking. And they lived at our property that we had on the Gold Coast where the kids grew up and it was a five-acre property in the hinterland of the Gold Coast, really great place for three boys to grow up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Josh was living there with a couple of mates and stuff. So Ben, our oldest one, went to try and find Josh because I got a hold of Ben and Ben was actually in a car about to go motorbike riding. They were all like, um, you know, trail bike riding. And he was driving. I said, Ben, pull over. And he goes, no, Mum, I'm driving. I said, Ben, pull over the car now. I have to tell you something. So he reluctantly pulled it over and he had three other people in the car and they all knew Dan. And he and when I told them, um, he said they sat there for about five minutes, all of them crying because they were like, you know, sort of thing. So what happened was Josh was actually on a golf course and his phone was ringing and he kept missing it. And then Ben eventually got hold of him um, sort of thing. And, and he was like, no, and then Josh rang me and he's, I said, oh, Josh, I've been trying to get you. And I told him and he goes, now, don't lie, mum. And I said, no, it's true. And he, he goes, yeah, I know. Ben's already told me. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me that? He goes, because I was hoping you were mucking around. Oh. So it really it affected the boys um, a lot more than probably what we all realised. And, you know, like his, Dan's girlfriend, she stayed living with us for 18 months um, after he passed. And I guess the three of us together could have, because we were the three that sort of saw him, I guess, lying there, if that makes sense. So we were in a big hurry the next day when we went to the autopsy to see him again because we wanted to get that image sort of out of our minds sort of thing, whereas the old, the others weren't as keen as coming in, but, yeah, so, yeah, it's, mm. it's you know, it's never easy 
And I, and I think sometimes siblings are sort of missed in the equation. You know, obviously most people say to me, oh, how's his twin? And I always answer, yeah, both his brothers are fine because, sure, they were twins, but, he's, you know, he also has an older brother as well. So, yeah, yeah I, from my point of view, I know siblings often get. <laughs> they do. It's the parents. In the and heat they, of the yeah. moment. Yeah, the parents yeah, and, are the focus. You know, yeah. The thing that I, you know, really want to say is that one of the greatest gifts that we sort of got from Dan's um, passing was the comments that we got from his work colleagues, from people that he had met overseas. Like he he worked in a pub for a couple of years where he found where he met his girlfriend that he brought back. He uh, worked in this pub in Kent and the landlord, when he heard that Dan had died, he went to bed for the afternoon. And, and we had the privilege of actually travelling there and meeting the landlord and his wife because Dan just raved about this guy. He was amazing. He took Dan under his wing. He took him to Lords. He, you know, but Dan said he was the most interesting person that he'd ever met. And to hear other people the way they talk about your, your son, because you never know. You never know that, you know, what they do. So I guess that was that's probably, now that I'm mentioning that, it's really interesting. I never really put that into, like, my books and stuff. Or maybe I have and I've just forgotten about it. But it's it's just so beautiful to know that, you know, you've raised a child who, you know, for example, Dan was a carpenter. And one of it, one of the guys on the on the building site where he was working when he passed said to us, Dan would walk in every morning, he would walk the whole site, he'd say good morning to everyone, and then he'd get to work. Oh. I know. And, you know, just little things like that, that you never realise and you never know. But another thing I want to tell you about um, is, as I said before, we didn't really know what was Dan's, you know, what was his cause of death. It was a bit up in the air and even the autopsy report, it wasn't really like that specific. So when I, in 2014, I was writing um, a book which is called uh, Beyond a Mother's Worst Nightmare, which was my journey at that stage. Uh, I think it was like three years or four years since Dan had passed. And um, I, I wrote this book and then I sent it to a friend of mine in America and I said, look, I've been guided to send it to you. Can you just read it before I finish? And she went, yeah, sure. And then she emails me. And she goes, Karen, I've been told to stop reading. And I went, what do you mean? And she goes, well, Dan's come to visit me and he's told me to stop reading. And I went, why? And she goes, well, he wants to have a three-way conversation with you because you don't know all the facts. And, and I said, oh, okay, well, how am I going to do that? And she said, well, I'm going to facilitate it. But he wants a couple of ground rules set. And so, you know, I said, oh, yeah, sure. We set the ground rules and and we did it. So we had this three-way conversation. And in the three-way conversation, he said to me, Mom, stop telling everyone that it was the alcohol that caused my death. And I said, well, what was it, Dan? And he said, it was my lungs. So then I went, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that. And he goes, nah. And he said, and I said, so did you suffer? And he went, no, it wasn't too bad. He said, I I said, did you know you were dying? He went, yes. So he lay there for a little while and I went, 
going to cry because I don't tell this story very often. I said, um, I said, so I'm so sorry we were in the front bedroom and we weren't there with you. And he went, don't worry, Mum, you all still travelled, you and Dad. You were both there when oh. I passed. Now, isn't that amazing? Because mm. I did tell you, I knew we Austral travelled, but I didn't know that we actually helped our loved ones to pass while we're in our sleep. And it was just so comforting. And I know probably a lot of your viewers are going to go, that's just way too weird. But you know what? It's not weird. It's so comforting to think that, you know, so many times you go, oh, I should have been there or I should have done this and why, 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 why? But when you realise that you actually are there and you're actually travelling to see them when you sleep at night, sure, you may not consciously remember, but unconsciously you do know that you are with your loved ones and they're with you. And, you know, that's why I do what I do because so many people get caught up in the what, what if, why didn't I, you know, and they have all these regrets. Whereas it's like, no, no, everything as it's, is as it's meant to be. And that's why I call my whole programs the gift of loss. And the gift isn't in the actual loss event. Like there was no gift in Dan dying. The gift came in who I became because of him dying. And, and it's all about you and it's all about your life and sure, people will come into it and people will go and it's really sad to lose your loved ones. But when you know that you are going to be greeted by them when you actually move into the next realm and go into your next adventure, it really does make life a lot easier. Um, and, like, I don't fear death. I just go, oh, well, I'm just going to leave everyone here and I'm going to leave my body behind and, you know, anything else that I've accumulated. And then I just go off and I get greeted and I have a party and then I do my life. <laughs> That all makes sense. Huh. Yeah. The astral travel, I mean, our audience are open-minded, you know. Okay. We're, I've been talking about all these things for ages, so they're, they're, they're used oh, to it. But the astral travel, I astral traveled to Christian when he was ill before he actually died. Um, so oh, I wow. can completely, and I didn't know it at the time, obviously. In so you weren't conscious of it at the time? No, but Christian, having done my transmediumship with Christian and the yeah. work that we do now he's told me that I was there with him comforting him and we actually I actually had lucid dreams about this much later in mm -hmm. 2015 when we actually made a connection so oh, wow. like completely completely understand that and it is comforting it is yeah comforting. it is isn't it yeah absolutely it's so comforting you know like especially when it was like oh my god you're at the back on the cement literally at our back door, dying, we're in the front, fast asleep, you know, it was 2.30 or something when he passed a.m. So it was literally like, oh, my God, that's so comforting, mm -hmm. you know. And, and it, the funny thing is when I woke up that morning before we even found Dan, my brother and I were estranged at the time. We'd had a silly fight probably about 15 months before Dan passed and we weren't talking to each other, just, you know, both of us, no, you've got to apologise, you know, all that crap. Mm. Um, and I had someone whisper in my, as I woke up, I had a whisper in my ear, you're going to see Tony soon. Oh, I've got chills. 
Yeah. Like massive. And I, sort of- I was, and I literally was like, oh, not sure how that's going to happen, but okay. You know, and it, and it was just literally like that. And it was just a, a fleeting thing that came in like that. And then just so went. So I, I know it was him. So you and did. I did yes. And then I see my brother. Yeah. Four days later, obviously, at his funeral. So yeah. And, and have you managed to sort out your oh, relationship yeah. with your brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So if we can yeah, go so right. Have a gift. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I have it with the clients. I have I have a lot of that. You know, there's a their loved one saying, like, you need to sort this relationship out or you need to. Do, yeah. anyway, that's another subject. But if we go back to when you like literally after the funeral, going straight back mm-hmm. to work for you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you were just saying like the grief, you didn't know how to handle it, didn't know what to do. So you just sort of threw yourself back into yeah. what you knew. Yeah. Um, well, I knew how to do that. I knew how to be a CFO. I didn't know how to be a grieving mother, didn't want to be a grieving mother. Like, you know, this, this is, you're you just your whole concept and your whole, because we've never really been taught how to deal with loss, right, which is what I am trying to, I'm not going to say trying, that's not a very good word. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. is I'm helping people to find a better way. And I literally, so Dan passed on the Sunday morning. On the Tuesday, I literally went into work. His funeral was a Friday. I literally went into work just to clean up a couple of things. But in my, but I remember saying to myself, I'm going in there so everyone can just say I'm sorry and get over it and they never have to say it again, which was totally ridiculous. But that was my way of thinking. I just want to get all of that over with. Um, and it, you know, and of course, you know, it's ridiculous how you try and control things like that where you, there is no control. Um, yeah. So, so then you had just, your, you had your, the job kind yeah. of, and, and that was your moment of, okay. So talk me through that. What was your moment of uh, something's going to give you? When, when I, um, you mean when I was made redundant, when I chose. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was just. I was so angry, like, but I was already starting to think, like, the guy who was going to be my boss, I was, how old was I? I was probably about 54 at that stage, and I was literally thinking, you know, I'm at an age where I am so sick and tired of people taking credit for my work, people being paid extra for my work. I was a CFO, so I was being paid for my work and I had, and and I'm not not even going to say the recognition for it, but I just knew that what I did was, you know, everyone was aware Karen did that. And it wasn't about the glory of Karen did it. It was just the a, a, a fair exchange. I do the work, you recognise I do the work and you pay me for it, thank you. Whereas in my previous roles, and I'm pretty sure, and this happens to women a lot, but it also happens to men too, you have your boss, you know, taking credit for the work that you do, um, taking more, the bigger salary than what you do, and I just thought I'm at a stage in my life where it's just not going to happen anymore. So even before they gave me my contract, I was starting to think they're picking my brains. I really don't know if I really even want to be here after it. Things are going to change. I will have literally no say um, in the way, you know, things will be handled. So I was already thinking mm, maybe. And then they, that's why I say, they really did give me the, the gift of giving me a contract with two-thirds of my salary in there. And as I said, I was angry. I was really angry for probably about 48 hours. I was like, how dare they treat me like this? Who do they think I am? But then I very quickly started to 
really start to go into me, which, you know, as we know, that's where all your answers are. I don't know Mm -hmm. why we don't look there. We're looking everywhere else except for there most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I started to get that, Dan passed, nothing happened. You know, are you seriously going to, if you take this job, you will be dead within five years. It's going to eat you from the inside out. Um, I, I was... I was even I was aware even then that stress causes cancer and I just knew that it would cause something, whether it was a heart attack, a stroke, type 2 diabetes, who knows. And I literally was like, it's going to eat you from the inside out and you're going to have to keep your mouth shut and, you know, and you're not going to be able to keep your mouth shut and you'll be on less money and it'll be this and it was us and it's like, I'm at a stage in my life that I really don't want this. So it became a really, really easy decision in the fact that when I went to work on the Monday, all I did was make a whole lot of phone calls to um, employment lawyers and stuff like that to make sure that if I said no to this contract, I still got my redundancy because that was really important because my contract, it was six months redundancy. So I really want to make sure I got Mm. paid all of that. And, and it did. And then I resigned and they, they, they were, my boss was, I can't believe you resigned. Mm-hmm. And, and I just went, well, you know, it's the best thing. And it was really strange because I did have to work out some of that time and he couldn't look me in the eye and it was really, really sad. And I kept saying to him, you've given me the best gift you could ever give anyone. Don't, like, don't feel guilty about not fighting for me because believe me, it's the best thing you ever did for me. And that's when that that's when I knew, and I knew really, really quickly that I wasn't going to be an accountant in the way that I had been an accountant. I knew I was going to do something different. I had no idea what it was going to be, but I just knew that it was like I had just turned a new page mm-hmm. um, in my book of life. Well, that sounds very poetic. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> did you did you know at that time? Uh, so you you have an idea that something big is going to happen. Were you talking to Dan at that point? How? What was your sort of? No, not no, not like I do now. And and look, I I I get more feelings, and and he drops ideas into my head. So I've always been um, quite spiritual. Like I went to my first reading when I was like twenty one. Um, I was okay. brought up Catholic, and I sort of knew no, that's not right, but it does have some elements of it. Um, so I, I, I did always believe in a higher being and, and all those sort of things. So when, um, so 2001, one of my sisters, I grew up in a large family. So there's um, seven children, six girls, and then the boy's the baby. And yes, he is the golden child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm the third eldest. And my, old, my sister, who's like a couple of years older than me, her and I are quite spiritual in our beliefs and always have been where the rest of the family aren't so much. But she read this book, which was Sylvia Brown's Life on the Other Side. And I read it in 2001. And that was my very, very first what I call knowing book, which is as I read it, I've never heard this before, but I know it's right. You know, every single page, everything about it. And then when Dan passed in so unexpectedly, a lot of people weren't coping with it. So I actually bought 10 copies of that book and I handed it out to the people. I said, read this. It's like we've got like a little insight into what Dan's going through at this time, which was amazing, absolutely amazing. And 
so that was sort of my first thing, like, and I knew he was with me, but I thought I had to wait six months before I could go for him, whereas now I know that they can talk to you as soon as they die or, yeah, whereas I just thought it was a, a time thing. And this was 2011, so I wasn't as aware as what I am now. So when I had my six-month reading, I did it with a lady. Her name's called Georgina Walker. And she's quite a well-known um, medium and psychic in uh, Sydney. She's on like one of the radio stations, one of the, the big ones. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I went to her. The reading was so amazing and so graphic that she actually said to me, Karen, I'm writing my third book and believe it or not, it's been delayed for some reason, obviously, for you to be able to write a chapter of your reading. And she wrote a chapter on this reading and it was just so amazing. Everything that he said was just so spot on. I could relate to everything that she said. Like he said, he went, I'm going camping at Easter and I'm going to win. And she goes, and I went, yeah, I know what that means. And what it was, just so, just very quickly so that you, you, um, your listeners can actually no. So the year before, the year before Dan passed, at, e- at Easter, um, my husband and the three boys were going to go to um, Peru and they were going to do the, the Inca Trail. But they left it too late to book and they said, okay, we'll all go next year. So then when Dan passed, they said, oh, what are we going to do? And we went, still go. I said, look, Dan will be with you. So Dan went, that's what he was referring to. I'm going uh, camping at Easter, and that's exactly where they were. They were camping at Easter. He did appear a couple of times to them. He appeared to my husband um, and Ben, not to Josh. But then I've I've heard that Josh blocks him because it's too painful, um, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was just, that was one of them. And there was so, she just kept flying them at us. All of these, everything he said, I went, yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. So much so that he actually said, because obviously he's a twin, so he's always shared his birthday. So he said, I, and Josh jokingly, I can't remember if it was the day that he died or the next day, just to ease the situation, Josh goes, well, on a brighter side, I get double presents now, you know, just trying to ease the sort of tension in the room. Mm-hmm. And we all just went, huh. And Dan, six months later, he goes, Josh can have the double presents, but I still want my cake. And <laughs> and Georgina just looked at me and she went, just get him a cup, a little cupcake with a candlelight. And she went, oh, no, no, he wants a proper cake. <laughs> so every year on, on his birthday, we give him a cake. And we Brilliant. sing happy birthday to him and we do all of that. So it was just an amazing reading. And it is in her book, the whole story, the whole things that he came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's always been around. But I've also been attracting more and more people into my life who are psychics who are and who have helped me develop it more as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, I meet one of my best friends I met in 2013 and the first time I met her, she went, who's sitting on your shoulder? And, you know, we had this amazing conversation and he's, he's Dan's very naughty with her, actually. <laughs> One time she was, I had a birthday party and she said, oh, she said, look, I will come, but I'm going to have a sleep first. And he ended up waking her up saying, mum's waiting for you, you get up. And she's like, I don't let you guys into my house. So she was not happy, but she said, oh, it's only because it's you. So, yeah, and he's, he's naughty. But, yeah, I guess they all are. I'm sure Christian is too, isn't he? Well, I, that's what I was just thinking the whole, as you were saying that, like with Christian, 
where you were talking about Dan going into the work into the work site into the building site saying yeah. hello to everybody walking around that's exactly what christian would have done oh. um and that that cheekiness that's yeah. definitely they're they're very well matched and they were the same age they were both 27 when they passed over oh wow but he was he passed a, a couple of years before though didn't he yeah he was christian was in 2003 but yeah yeah, um, yeah. wow but the so same 2003 so so what's that he was Born in what? 75. 75, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, nine years older than Dan because he was yeah. 84. Ah. So, yeah. Yeah, which is right, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yes, yeah, so now you, how do you, so you now communicate with Dan? Yeah, it's more through, it's, I just get whispers in my ear like I got on the first day that he died. I get, um, obviously I have a lot of people around me as well who tells me, tell me things. I get, I get downloads at night that come in. Um, you know, I give him credit for everything I've done, so much so that my dad actually roused on me and go, I do things as well. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just Dan that's helping you. So I say, okay, I'll give you all the car spaces that I get and all that sort of stuff. I'll stop saying thank you, Dan. I'll give all them to you. It's just yeah. easier. And it's, yeah, he's... That's the main way that I do, but I'm doing more and more spiritual development as I go on and I'm just really listening. It's dragonflies are Dan's, rainbows are Dan's, like the day of his funeral, oh, my God, we had rainbows anywhere. And the amount of people either going to the wake or from the wake, I reckon that because they oh, we would have had over 100 people there, but he um, and I reckon half of them saw Dan number plates, you know, licence plates, um, either to the wake or from the wake. They kept saying, I kept seeing these Dan number plates. You know, I've, I've seen, I was in New Zealand once with a group and I went out early with my girlfriend and we were like sort of, she decided to run back and I said, I'll walk back. And on the footpath, you know, into the into the cement was a, a Dan sort of thing, so which was amazing because what I was doing there, it was just like, I oh got his tick, all that sort of stuff. But he just shows up all the time in photos oh my god in family photos at his like at josh's wedding dan is in the photos in the tree and there's a group photo there's a group photo and the guy at the back sort of like going like that with his thumb mm-hmm. and you follow the thumb and it's where dan is oh wow it's, it's absolutely incredible it's um so yeah he shows up all the time in photos and it's funny because I'm writing the, uh, my book at the moment, which is Demystifying Loss, and I've put three photos in it, you know, just showing him. When we, uh, at five years, so in um, 2016, we decided to release some most of his ashes. Mm-hmm. So we released them into Sydney Harbour. I hired like a little ferry and we all went out there and had a nice luncheon and stuff, and then we released them. And then there was a photo taken by one of my friends and the next day there's Dan's face just near where we were um, in the water, which is incredible. Oh, wow. It's amazing, isn't it, how they every each sort of spirit energy finds a way to make themselves known it's all very individual and it's individual yeah. for you and once you've got that connection once you once you realize it yes like whoa the whole thing blows open yeah 
especially when you're about to do something that you haven't done before and it's a little bit outside of your comfort zone, it's amazing how much they turn up. You know, he turns up then as dragonflies, unbelievably so, and it's just like, oh, my God. And But, you know, sometimes... I, I guess you don't see him. He's like literally comes straight at you into your into your like eyes, and it's like, okay, yeah, I've seen you now, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> but it, it's it is just incredible. And you know, Josh has um, now got a little son, little Raphael, who will be two in a couple of in in May, early May, and. You know, I just know that, we, you know, he was here one night and his parents were out and we put him to bed and then we went in the next door to make the bed up for his parents when they came back and he's talking away, like he's talking and talking and talking. And she goes, who's he talking to? And I said, oh, probably Dan. You know, he's probably having fun with him and, and laughing and carrying on and whatnot. So, yeah. Yes, because kids are a lot more open, aren't they, and they don't, they just go with it and then adults yeah. and, and society go, oh, no, you can't be talking to Dan. No, That's no, ridiculous. isn't yeah. it sad that we do yeah. that? It is, totally. Like your your yeah. work that you now do with other other people, um, mm-hmm. so you went from your uh, – so you had to face your grief and I guess this is – Oh, yeah. This yeah. is the point where you, you're made redundant. You're, yeah, so talk me through the – I mean, we haven't got a huge amount of time for this, but I just know, talk, I talk me so through the, the sort of – how you faced your grief. So how I faced it was uh, to avoid it, like most of us do for a very, very long time. I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, I've made a lot of silly decisions in that first year, 18 months, but that's okay. Um, But then once I started to um, deep dive into my life coaching, originally it was for women. It was to help women stay as women, you know, in executive roles, not to turn into a man and become aggressive like I did. Um, That's where it started, but it never sort of took off. And then I was working with a lady, a marketing lady, and she said to me, Karen, look, why aren't you working with like grief? And I said, oh, funny you should say that. I was told that. I was literally told that probably like back in 2013, early 2013 I was told this, and this was probably um, 17, yeah, 17, early 18. And I was literally like, yeah, I was told that early on, but I was like, no, I don't want to be around those people. They're too sad. I'm not like that. But then when I – and but. I'm very much, if someone says something to me, I listen. I never used to, but I now know, no, no, it's, you need to listen to this. It's a bit unusual. So that's when I started to deep dive into loss and I started to um, find a couple of different ways, a, a different modalities that I wanted to bring together. And the more, and obviously I was the guinea pig mm. to start with. And I have to say it's a most amazing progress. And some of it I got from, um, uh, I got it from about three or four different places, you know, because I, I, I'm not going to say it's just one place or the other, but, I, but I've got it from a lot of proven places. Mm-hmm. And then I've just mixed it together, added some more flavour and then put my sort of thing to it. Mm-hmm. So the gift of loss process that I have, it's a five-step process. So the first one is to stop. Right? We don't stop. We don't stop. We just keep going. That if you look back at the pandemic, it was stop. You got to stop. You got to stop being busy. Nothing is going to happen until you stop. And you got to start to do that deep dive. And and of course, the stopping is all about you actually going, okay, this has happened. What does it mean for me now and moving forward? You know, in, in, until you stop, you can never answer that question. 
because you're avoiding it. And we're so good at avoidance. Like, seriously, just look at the alcohol industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the suicide rate. You know, we don't know how to do it. So the first step in, in my gift of loss is to stop. The second is to accept. And this is where you take responsibility for your part in whatever has happened. Now, there's over 40 different loss events, so it's not just death of a loved one. It could be a divorce, a job loss, your health, your wealth, your pets, you know, come back to the pandemic, loss of freedom, loss of choice, loss of status, changing work conditions, changing recreational, changing, you know, social activities, all of these things. That's just some of them, you know, and there's a, it's like when you look at it, you go, oh, my God. And most people don't realise that some of these are loss. But when it happens to you, because you don't realise this, this is a grieving situation, you start with the, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get over this? It's because you, you're not doing the grief process um, of actually stopping, accepting. And then the third step is to identify. And the identify is where you deep dive into all of this undelivered communication in this relationship. So in every relationship, there's two people, but there's three components. There's the physical, the way you hang out together, the things you do, the way you touch each other, the things you say. Then there's the emotional. And that's all encompassing of all of your feelings, the good, the bad, the glad, and the sad. And then the third component is the spiritual. It's the intangible. You know you're connected. You don't understand why you're so instantly connected to this person, place, or thing. When the loss event occurs, all that you lose is the physical relationship. The emotional and the spiritual goes on forever. But it's the emotional relationship because we don't know how to deal with it. and We don't allow the emotions to do what they're designed to do to come in and move out, energy, emotion. Your emotions are your friends. They're actually giving you a message. You need to heal this. Like you need to heal the fact that you didn't do this when you were meant to or you didn't say this or you didn't take this trip. You need to forgive. You need to apologise. You need to forgive and you need to acknowledge. And that's what that identify is all about, is to identify all of those things that are from this relationship. Now, if it's a relationship, it could be your whole life relationship, like with your parents, or it could be a friend that you've only known for two years. But it's about deep diving into the length of that relationship and figuring out what are all of those things that you want to bring into that thing. And then you complete the relationship by delivering this amazing communication, never to the person if they're alive, but you deliver it to someone out loud. And then the fifth step is to pivot. And that's where you do the amazing thing of actually going, right, this is where I am and this is where I want to be. So what are the action steps, the skills? What do I need to learn? How do I need to grow to get from where I am today to where I want to be? Not just in your life but in every single area of your life because there's a different action step for all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's my gift of loss process, which I just so love. So you've worked through, I mean, it's a lot like the process I use with clients as well. It's like that yeah. is the process that I had to go through. That was the process I was shown which with yeah. Christian. And so you had to experience it. Yeah, before, I had to do it. And, and, while you're and the thing about it is even, and you probably found exactly the same thing, Hannah, that when you, um, 
when you look at your loss event history, like everything that's happened, you know, we're all going to have multiple loss events. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it before you just say, well, this is the first one I want to work on, you know, I had to go back and the first one I actually worked on was the relationship that um, to the baby that I gave up at 16. That was my first relationship that I felt I required to heal first. Then I did my dad. Then I did um, my mum, but my mum's still alive. Um, and then I did Dan. So you would think mm-hmm. well, you do Dan first, but no. And then I did the relationship with the adult daughter. And, but once I did the, the baby that I gave up, that helped the relationship with the adult daughter uh-huh. because, you know, obviously we're all energetically connected. But it's about figuring out because when you look at it, you go, oh, wow, it's because of this. You know, I worked with a lady who thought she was coming to me for her divorce, but after the process she went, I've got to heal that relationship with my mother first because she was ne- she loved me but never in the way that I wanted to be loved. And because I went looking for that love, I made not so ideal choices for my like 30 years. She was 50 Mm. at the time. So that's, and that's, you know, which, yeah, and that's where she went, I've got to heal all that first. And that's what I love about it because once you heal it, obviously you can then stop the pattern of repeating it Mm -hmm. because you've got the message and you've got the understanding. So, yeah, so I'm sure it's similar to what yours is because it's the time for us to heal this. So they're not just giving it to me, they're giving it to multiple people because, you know, we've got nearly 8 billion people in the world. There's a lot of people that require healing. And it's it, that, and exactly this time where you and I have been connected and like this podcast is collecting a lot of other people as well. Yes. And it is the time to learn how to deal with grief, how to build oh, yes. a, a grief ritual that we can all work to. You know, we are yes. going to have these losses. That is it. Yeah, we, we're it? all going we to have it. To we're going to keep getting them. And we're to find like the positive from the grief like the gift of loss so instead of thinking about it as a loss event and concentrating on that and stagnating and I I did all of that you did all of that and we got shown a different way of doing it of of a way to heal and and transform yeah and well we we live in a world of duality so Mm -hmm. you can't have you know dark without light you can't have bad without good so then you know we focus on the negative where it says no 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 there is some positive here sure Mm -hmm. it may be a little thing down here but the more you focus on that little thing down here the more that you can start to Mm -hmm. expand it and get to gratitude and because at the end of the day it's love and gratitude and that's you know love joy gratitude all those amazing vibrations yeah. Um, and then it affects everybody. So it's not just for you, is it? It affects your family, your it, community, it, yeah. and boom, boom, boom. Oh, every, it goes the up. whole world. That it's, we are. We're so connected. We're, it's a ripple effect. And that's why I've taken, um, you know, for a long time I ignored my CFO skills, you know, my accounting skills and all that sort of stuff. But now in the last oh, probably last six to eight months, I've started to bring it back together and I've created what's called the people and profits connection and, and you know, into businesses to say, do you know what, you want your people to rock up each and every day. You want them to be productive. You want them to be one dimensional and you want them just to do the work and go home. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. 
we're not one-dimensional, we're three-dimensional. They all have all of these losses going in, on in their life. They're drinking too much. They're doing all of these sort of unhealthy habits just to get through the day. How about, and it's not a therapy session, how about we actually assist your people to actually see things from a different perspective so that they can actually come to work the way you would like them to. Then they can go home and they'll mm-hmm. go home to a better home and they won't be staying out all night drinking and all these sort of things. So it's, and it's just starting to sort of, you know, get into places where they're going, you're right, we do need to look at things differently. And I'm not putting them on the couch and I'm not doing a whole lot of all that sort of stuff, but I'm helping people to deep dive into themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone sort of wants to know more about you, because we're just about to run out of time, oh, sorry. have you got a, a website? No, no, no. It's been a mm-hmm. complete joy. Um, have you got a website that you can direct yeah, people to? Just go to thechastoncenter.com. Obviously you can see Chaston behind me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just literally the Chaston Center, C-E-N-T-R-E for the um, American. It's re.com. And yeah, so just reach out to me. There's books to download. You can click on all of the different places, it'll take you all over the place. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Karen and Dan and Christian. And uh, you know, they're they're all there. Um, It's been a complete joy. And I know um, I sort of worry about talking about what I do. And but you just said, you know, like, don't worry about it because we are the awakened ones and we have to. Yeah. be the light for other people so thank yeah. you so much for joining us absolute pleasure um and i hope we work together at some point i'm I sure we will we, i feel we will i feel we will um so thank you to karen um next week we have actually i'm not really sure what's going on next week um but i'm going to take a little break this week so i've actually pre-recorded a few shows so I shall, uh, so the shows will each come out on Monday. It's just, I'm going on a little holiday behind the scenes. Okay, so thank you so much for watching and thank you to Karen. Okay, lots of love. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Finder of Lost Things. I think we've been triggered so long and so hard by COVID and it's going to carry on. People are getting used to to stillness and they're getting used to um, more solitude, but how do you use that time for the highest good this process that we're going to explore will bring back the joy and purpose to life that wholeness you know that sort of harmony and flow and togetherness people are really ready to find their lost parts now you can find me at hannahvelton.online expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.